Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham, but for one of the rare occasions actually in the same room as Chris Whittingham. We're in our new offices in North Miami. We took over a, a law office's uh, conference room, so I'll be charging Chris $550 an hour <laughs> for whatever it is we discuss. Any football advice that I dispense in this room, because we all know that lawyers are completely overpriced, except for Seltzer Mayberg, our great sponsor they are not no they're, they are adequately priced Ad- adequately perfectly pri- priced perfect, perfectly priced could not be priced better all right so here's what we're going to do today tomorrow or you may be listening to this on tomorrow but the dolphins open their mini camp and really this was just supposed to be about you know whatever rookies they bring in and you know whatever sort of low-level veteran quarterback was going to be pirating them or piloting them to a 3-13 and record but things have changed over the past couple of weeks of course josh rosen was acquired on draft day. It was very, very controversial because apparently he likes the environment, and uh, that is not something that's appreciated by some of the beat writers here in this town. And so what we want to do today is we want to talk about Josh Rosen, but also the direction that the Dolphins seem to be going here over the past couple of weeks, which is a little bit different from what Chris and I have talked about on previous podcasts. So instead of just the two of us babbling back and forth here from our spacious offices in this beautiful law firm's offices, uh, we have brought on two people who do not agree on this in our network. One of them, introduce yourself, Alfredo Artiega from Three Arts Hello. McCary. You know him as Uptown Report. And Uptown, you are blank about the Josh Rosen trade. Confused. Confused. That's a good word for it. Okay. And now someone else who is drawing little heart emojis to Josh Rosen as we speak. He is not on the Three Yards Per Carry podcast, although he could be, but he's on several other podcasts, uh, contributes to Smart Your Territory, is now one of the two hosts of the rebranded Fantasy on Five, also does a bunch of Dolphins content for Dolphin Maven, which we also operate, and also for FiveReasonsSports.com, and that is Josh Houts. And Josh, or as he's called on Smart Territory, Hoots, you are <laughs> blank about the Josh Rosen trade. Stoked. All right. Stoked. 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 So we have, uh, we have disparate opinions from the beginning. We do. And that's a good way to start from here. And just so people know, Chris and I feel a little differently about this. Uh, I think I've been, I would say if we're talking about like one to five in terms mm-hmm. of feelings about the Josh Rosen trade, with one being sort of most excited and five being least excited, I would say that Josh, how it's not Rosen, is a one. Mm-hmm. I am a two. Yep. Chris is a four. And Alfredo is a five. And Alfredo is a five. So we've got all into the spectrum here except a three. We don't have anybody who's just sort of right down the middle. Which, what's the point of that for sports radio and or podcasting? We, we, neutral opinions, not welcome here. No, they're welcome for some beat writers who will say they had both opinions later. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how that works. All right, so I'm going to start here, and I'm going to go to – uh, my side here, we're going to go, f- uh, you know, the, the one who's closest to me, although a little bit further, a little more extreme than me. Josh, why do you like this trade so much for the Dolphins? I mean, for me coming out, I was a big fan of Josh Rosen during the draft process last season. I think he was my second quarterback that I wanted the Dolphins to go after. I believe that he could be a franchise caliber quarterback. I don't think he got a 
good end of the deal there in Arizona. Obviously, when they brought in Kyler Murray, he was on his way out. He wasn't a fit there. And then you look at the value the Dolphins got. I mean, you give up a second and a fifth. I know that some people are against the trade because of some of the players that may have been on the board at the time. But when you give up a second and a fifth round pick for a guy that could be the franchise quarterback of your team, a guy that's only making around $2 million over the next three years. I mean, to me, that's a, a no-brainer. It was a good trade for the Dolphins. And I do think that he has the potential to be the long-term quarterback here in Miami, as, as uh, painful as that is for some people to hear. I do think that for all these years that we've searched for a quarterback, this is our best chance of finding the next Dan Marino. All right, so now let's go to the other side. Chris, I will let you introduce Alfredo's opinion. Alfredo, so uh, when, when you've been so down on all of this, um, I haven't been able to really discern whether it's because of the value proposition of what you could have done uh, with 62 having added uh, to next year's pick or if it's just you're so down on the player. It's actually both because if you think about it, I've heard a lot of people say that he would have been the second best quarterback coming out in this year's draft. Although Dwayne Haskins had 50 touchdowns and Josh Rosen had 59 in three years, but I'm pretty certain that he would be the fifth best quarterback in next year's draft. And I'm afraid that they're going to spend time trying to reinforce everything around Josh Rosen for the next two years. And in fact, Simon Clancy and I on our podcast happens to think that and that we'd be out on the the quarterback class of 2020 and I think that's a huge mistake because we could be getting right back on that treadmill to seven and nine eight and eight but see Chris has made this case to me and this was the big concern about even before the Rosen trade about bringing any quarterback in uh, whether it was a Haskins or whether it was you know taking a flyer on a guy like Rosen was that you were concerned that they were going to repeat the Tannehill mistake but what I don't understand about that is that Steve Rice lived the Tannehill mistake for seven years and has basically indicated this offseason that he doesn't want to do that again and so other than the fact that the history shows that the Dolphins have done that I don't understand the sort of this overriding fear are they that stupid like like that, but, that's well, my concern like I mean I know it's possibly. still Chris Greer there but are, are they are they are they destined to repeat like to, to, to doom themselves to the same exact strategy and failure as they did last time I'd have to think they learned something from that right well, well I mean I, I guess I guess my point would be and and Alfredo you can jump in in a second um is that I think it's not just the Dolphins, right? Because these special quarterbacks are so few. There's really only, Alfredo, would you say eight, maybe nine of them in the entire NFL? The other 23 teams have to do something at quarterback. And so Minnesota throws a fully guaranteed contract at Kirk Cousins because that is an upgrade on what they had. Uh, Washington, you know, commits resources to trading for Alex Smith. Now, I think if not for his leg having snapped in half, he might still be the quarterback, and he might be the quarterback for a long time. You see a lot of teams having to settle because there is just a scarcity at this position, and you don't really see teams be that aggressive in trying to solve the problem. The kind of aggressive that is basically the full-on tank for the number one pick when the obvious quarterback prospect is out there um, and I just think, and my concern is, is that realistically, this organization is not going to turn around unless you find that franchise-changing guy. And while Rosen could be it, which is, I think, the optimism that, that Hounce has, uh, I, I just don't think that it's that likely, or not that really anyone is that likely to be the kind of good that we're talking about, but it's that likely that he's going to make a jump, such a jump from year one to year two, based off situation, based off coaching, based off offensive line, that Rosen can really reach that stratosphere, and and I just think it, it's not just a Dolphins problem, it is a league-wide problem with settling for okay uh, when 
basically out of a lack of options. And I just, I really do have a, a real legitimate fear that the Dolphins end up in this place, not just because of their history, but because really of the of the behavior of 22 or 23 teams in the NFL. The way I look at it is it's pretty simple. You paid a second round pick for what could be the fifth best prospect coming out next year. I could wait a year. I thought we were done trading second round picks for lottery tickets. And we're back on this train where, you know, what does success really look like? next season if he throws for 3,600 yards let's say and a two to one touchdown interception ratio and a 90 quarterback rating people are going to be thrilled and if they win six or seven games they're going to be really thrilled because the roster is not that good well guess what Tannehill did that five times in the last seven years so we are punting on I believe what could be a very good quarterback year just for the hope that we can repeat the mediocrity of the last seven I, I just I really don't get this shift that has taken place in the last month. But Alfredo, it, okay, so I understand that Tannehill did that a bunch of times, but Josh Rosen's 22, and Ryan Tannehill, you know, was doing that towards the middle to end of his 20s. He was 20s. 30 by the end. He was 30 by the end. And so I, I guess that would raise the concern that they would decide to hold on to the guy because they would say, well, he's too young to give up on. Look what he just did. But mm. also, like... I, I understand what you're saying. Like, you don't want to pass on a, you know, NBA analogy, like... You know, the year that LeBron's coming out, okay, and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Carmelo Anthony and, and Darko, uh, you, you don't want to be the team that, you know, wins too many games and takes yourself out of that mix. So I, I understand it from that perspective. But I sort of side with Josh here because my thing is you are trying to find a quarterback. Like, I don't care how you find one, okay? So let's say that Josh Rosen makes the improvement that you're talking about. Let's say he gets from where he was last year, which was awful, okay? No question, okay? Mm -hmm. Whatever the outside circumstances are, if we didn't make excuses for Tannehill, we're not going to make excuses here. Whatever the outside circumstances were, he was awful last year. But let's say he goes from awful to what you're saying, a 90 quarterback rating, two to one, two, you know, plus two to one touchdown interception ratio, 3,500 yards with this, I mean, let's just be honest, garbage-ass team, okay? Yeah. I mean, and so let's say he does that. Like, is it bad to have a quarterback who just did that at age 22? Like, I, like that's see, that's what I don't understand. I mean, I, I get it if you think he's going to be bad. Okay, he, and, you know, and this was a burned second-round pick for a guy who's going to be bad, and then, you know, you're going to have to move on from him anyway, and why do you give up a second-round pick when they're valuable, and you give up second-round picks for A.J. Feely and Pat White and Dante Culpepper and John Beck and Chad Henney, et cetera, et cetera. I, I understand all that. But, like, this fear, and CK's had it, and you've had it, to a certain degree, Simon's had it. Chris has had it. But this fear of anything going right for the Dolphins this year. <laughs> like, like that, I, right? it, it, is, it is a fear of being good. Right, but uh, Josh, I mean, am, am I right about I mean, has this gone too far? Like, I, I understand the goal here ultimately is to be bad, I guess. But I also feel like this team wants to sell some tickets. They need to sell some hope. Look at the last two weeks. Like, there's been, I mean, our podcast on Rosen, we're doing another one today for that exact reason. Our podcasts on Rosen have trumped anything else we've done. Uh, sorry to use that word. Uh, have have exceeded anything else we've done. You a new verb for that. All right, okay. Have right. exceeded. Have exceeded. <laughs> uh, and, and there seems to be actually some buzz around the team again, and that can't be bad. So, uh, Josh, what am I missing? I don't know. And, I mean, aside from being the Dolphins, what's to prevent them from drafting a quarterback next year? We saw San Diego do it when they had Breeze. They went out there and got Rivers. That is a good situation to have. I think you're absolutely right. What you see from Josh Rosen, and I do think a lot of this has to do with the player and the evaluation at some of these guys. I'm, I'm not sure, Alfredo, how did you feel about him coming out last year? Like, if you weren't a fan of him last season, you're obviously not going to like the trade. But how much different would things be if the Dolphins took him last year in the first round, if they traded up for him? Would 
would we be feeling a little bit different about this? If that tank for Tua stuff never came out, would we be feeling differently about this? I understand that in order for things to go right in Miami, that they need to, you know, they need to get a high draft pick. They need to find that franchise caliber quarterback. But if he goes out there and balls out, like you said, and puts up those numbers, that is a very good situation to be in because now you got that plethora of draft picks next season where you can go out there and fill the edge rusher, you know, the offensive line, or even trade down, do the New England thing, get picks for the next year. And then Trevor Lawrence is coming out. And I don't care what anybody says. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback that's coming out in the next two years. That class is probably going to be pretty good as well. I, I see no negatives to giving Josh Rosen a chance. You mentioned the fan base. Uh, it's been a complete shift. I mean, Alfredo talked about the poll that he put up. One day, no one wanted to go up a second-round pick. A week later, everyone loved the trade. I mean, Josh Rosen is hes going to start this year. I don't think there's any way that Ryan Fitzpatrick beats him out. I don't think, you know, I, I think what he's going to bring to that quarterback room is going to be a great thing, but I think this is going to be Josh Rosen's team. They're going to give him a chance. And I mean, this is the most excited. I mean, this was a year where the Dolphins were not supposed to be good. They're, we're going into it. We're just going to breeze right through it, head right into 2020 and compete then. Now they have a chance to go out there and evaluate the quarterback position. Again, I, I don't see any negative in this trade. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. The first one to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while? Call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash Five reasons. Also, make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd I, they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car, fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now. Moves it all. To me, the thing that I, I, I I've been sort of thinking about in the last few days is if it does go right. Uh, if, if it does go so spectacularly right in the way that you guys kind of uh, see it in maybe the ideal world, if it goes so spectacularly right that Josh Rosen is, you know, a franchise-changing guy and you have him the next two years at $2 million apiece, it actually can kind of very quickly, and this is going to sound ridiculous, right, but it is uh, the kind of ridiculous that maybe the Rams fans would have felt after year one of Jared Goff. But it can go very quickly from we're thinking about this being among the worst teams in the league to – all of a sudden, as you mentioned, Josh, you have the war chest of draft picks. You also have, heading into next year, a war chest of cap space. Uh, it could be, you know, $100 million, perhaps even more than that, in cap space. I mean, they can very quickly flip the switch from a team that's thinking about a rebuild to a team that's thinking about winning big. Because if Josh Rosen is as good as his promise was, is as good as what people thought of him, even coming out of high school, uh, much less out of college, if he's that good, then you have a quarterback on the cheap, and that's basically Super Bowl windows now. Super Bowl windows are teams that have quarterbacks on the cheap, and Josh Rosen might be as cheap as a, a sort of top-level talent as Russell Wilson uh, when he was with Seattle. And again, this might sound completely insane, but imagine pitching this idea two years ago to the Rams fans. Uh, they, they probably would have said you were just as crazy. Um, that proposition, the proposition of getting a first-round pick at quarterback, and not just a first-round pick, but one that you basically don't have to pay any signing bonus, that's $2 million worth of salary, over uh, over three years, um, it's just it, it's such a value proposition in potential. Uh, I just think the probability of that happening is so slim that 
I, I just don't know how you can really talk yourself into it being even a possibility that, you know, Rosen is that level of good. Maybe he is, and maybe that Arizona situation was truly a tire fire. Um, but one, I don't know how Miami's situation could be that much better. And two, um, I just think, and, and Alfredo and CK have chronicled this uh, more than a, a fair amount of just how bad it was in his first year, and generally quarterbacks don't recover from being that bad. Yeah, and let me say that there's been a, a little bit of res- revisionist history on how good a prospect Josh Rosen was coming out as a junior. He was the number one, the clear-cut number one prospect coming out as a junior the first five games of his junior season. Then that Arizona game came on, and he faded all the way to draft day where he was the, the fourth quarterback taken. Then we saw his rookie year. It's been, you know, like, you know how it's, how a stock price can be on an uptrend? It's been a steady downtrend for about 18 months. And the what I'm looking at is next year, a team, and I've actually gotten a quote from, it's not Chris Greer, but somebody connected to the Dolphins, and they tell me they're planning on going for it, whatever that means, next year. They have two picks in every single round except the first, and they could have a top five pick there and $120 million in cap space. If they're going to commit all of that money in support of Josh Rosen, and he's not the guy, we bought ourselves 10 years of irrelevance. And that's my fear. But how do you determine, I, I guess, I just keep coming back to this. I mean, how do you determine who the guy is? And I understand the downtrend, but I'm, I'm going to throw a couple things at you. Uh, I don't know how good a head coach Jim Caldwell is, you know, because it was up and down a little bit. I mean, obviously he had Peyton, then he didn't have Peyton, then Stafford. But I think he's pretty well regarded as a quarterback coach. I also think One of the best. I, I also I also think Chad O'Shea uh, is pretty well regarded for a lot of the stuff he did in New England, and a lot of what Rosen does fits that system. And I know you're aware of that, Alfredo. So mm-hmm. I, I I guess it feels like we're arguing kind of two separate points. Like I think again, your fear and Chris's fear and CK's fear is that he's going to be too good mm-hmm. at the but same not too good but not good enough right but but at the same time we're saying he's been on a steady downtrend for the last 18 months I, I to me you just throw out a lot of what's happened recently and you say okay does the kid have tools and do the tools fit the system that they want to run and I think this is a good test for this new coaching staff I, I think it's a, it's a good test for Brian Flores in terms of how to manage the situation and I just I'm really just struggling to see the huge downside here. I, you know, the fear that he's too good and they don't take a quarterback. Look, I mean, like like Josh Hout said, they have two years on that. I mean, there's going to be elite quarterbacks over the next two years. So maybe they don't get one this year and it's a lost year in terms of that. But they get another one. But my thing on quarterbacks is like. So you have a Garoppolo when you have a Brady. So you have a Young when you have a Montana. So you have a Rodgers when you have a Favre. So you have, so you have a, a, a as Josh mentioned, a, a Rivers when you have a Breeze. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't. I mean, good organizations. I mean, you know, New Orleans. You know, brought Bridgewater back. You know, to have somebody behind Breeze. Bad organizations are always searching for a damn quarterback. And, and I would rather have more that can play a little bit. I mean. Jacoby Brissett in, in New England, they were able to flip him. Now, not for much for Philip Dorsett, but they got something when they needed a receiver. I, I just I, I never see the harm in taking the quarterback. I, I wanna, I'm going to go to Houts here in a second, but I want to go back to Alfredo because I think another thing that's come up here is the opportunity cost, right? So if you hadn't made the trade, and I believe the two trades are interconnected. I don't care what Greer says. He doesn't make the, se- the first trade unless he knows he can make the second trade. He was dealing with, with Arizona for two days, as he said. He knew. Okay, I, I can. I, mm-hmm. if, if I move I want, down— I want to give you a second, but I, want it to be, I don't want it to be my second. Right, and he knew they would take it. So, that's, so mm-hmm. he doesn't make the trade otherwise. But I guess, Alfredo, my question is, let's not look at 48 because, 
you know, like I said, it is two separate trades, even though I feel they're connected. But let's look at 62. So who is the player? Because the fifth-round pick, I don't give a damn, Alfred. I just don't. Like, I, they'll get compensatory picks. They, as you said, they've got a war chest of picks next year. Fifth-rounders are – I mean, you talk about lottery tickets. I mean, that's a, you know, I mean, that's a ridiculous lottery ticket. So who is the player you wanted – at 62 from an opportunity cost perspective that we're going to look back at in two or three years and say, man, they, if they hadn't burned a year or two screwing around with Josh Rosen, they would have had this player as a core player in their system. Chase Winovich, who the Patriots then took. Uh, CK wanted Juan Thornhill, which is a safety out of Virginia. So mine would have been Chase Winovich, and he would have fit in perfectly in their system as an edge player. And they could have just kicked the quarterback thing down the road and they have four to choose from. But they jumped the gun. Now they have Josh Rosen. They don't have Chase Winovich. The Patriots do. So Chase Winovich will be chasing down Josh Rosen, and nobody will be blocking him because we don't have a right tackle to defend <laughs> Josh Rosen's front side. But so, Alfredo, don't you want them to be bad? Do you want them to have a right tackle? You and Chris need to decide. Do you want them to have good players in certain positions, or do you not? Because I, it's... Well, if they're going to be terrible, then they just set fire to a second-round pick. Right, that's the thing, now, right? Is that, don't is they that... have to spend a little bit of money right now to at least give Josh Rosen a chance, a fighting chance? And, and, and we talk about the way that NBA teams use assets all the time. Um, and in, in particular, among the more offensive trades that has happened in the last 10 years, beyond the Brooklyn trade, is the Sacramento Kings clearing cap space and using first-round picks to do so, nearly giving up a top-five pick. I think it's actually going to convey this year somewhere in the teens after they just missed the playoffs uh, to uh, Boston, I believe. But it, it's, it's incredible that a team that was on a downward trajectory was giving up picks so that they can try and win games. Um, and, and, that, and that really is what we're talking about, even if it's – even if it's a, even if it's not going to necessarily be a standout player, even if it's a player that fails, um, it's more that in the mode that you are right now, you should be about trying to collect players um, and, and and players that you believe in and can be a foundation. And look, um, I, I I've certainly vacillated on this because um, while th that is the mode that they're in, at the same time, you take tries at quarterback, you take tries, you you give it a go. And if it is indeed a downward trend, uh, maybe you know he's not any good, and and you head on to your next pick, but then you just wasted a 60 second pick now you have gotten uh your pick back uh in terms of you know having a second rounder next year from new orleans but at the same time it's just what have you really accomplished by flushing the 60 second pick down the drain if rosen isn't any good and again is the opportunity there for rosen to be the kind of good that we're talking about so um at the same time I understand what you're saying, which mm -hmm. is pick whether or not you want the Dolphins to be good. And I don't, I didn't care about the needs thing. The needs thing didn't make any sense to me. Uh, where you know people are after the draft going, well, they needed right tackle, and they needed a pass rusher, and they needed another corner, and they needed this, and they needed that, and they needed this, and they needed that. Need for what? Um, so, uh, so it's just, um, it, I, I don't know, um, you know, what it is the Dolphins are trying to do here, other than maybe strike gold on a quarterback. Um, and if so, it just isn't in keeping with their overall plan of rebuilding. All right, we'll get back to the episode that you're listening to in a second. But first, we plan to break our streak, and in a huge, huge way. If you're not familiar with Five Reasons Sports Watch Parties, we are zero. We're awful. So we're having a, a, a watch party for the NBA lottery. The Heat have the 13th best odds uh, to move into the top four and the 13th best odds to get the number one overall pick. The only failure is if the team in 14th, which I believe is Sacramento. Um, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Ends up, you know, jumping Miami and Miami moves down from 13 to 14, which really incrementally isn't that big. So this is kind of only good things can happen watch party. If we move down to 14, we will definitely be blamed for that. Whereas if we succeed, Mm -hmm. we succeed in the most spectacular fashion, a 4.8% chance to finish in the top four. If we pull that off, our fortunes will change. So here's where we're doing it. It's going to be in Dade County. Tap 42, familiar with Tap 42, great beer. We're going to have some free appetizers there. The shop's at Midtown, 3252 Northeast 1st Avenue. All right, so come watch Zion to the Heat. This is happening. Zion (laughs) to the Heat. And then Pat Riley's going to be a genius all over again. See you Tuesday night, the 14th, Tap 42, Midtown Miami. You talk about the downward trajectory. I mean, the guy's been, he's going on his sixth offensive coordinator in five years. And I mean, that has to take a toll on a player. You know, he's learning new systems, good or bad, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, the you don't think that, that he's kind of responsible for some of that? He probably is. But at the same time, I mean, if you don't have consistency at the coaching position, you, you can't expect this guy to go out there and light the world on fire. I, I know Chris mentioned Jared Goff. Do you consider him one of those franchise altering quarterbacks? Because to me, I think Josh Rosen could very easily be a Jared Goff. He's on the line. He, he, I, think, I think Jared Goff is right on the line. Obviously, they won a bunch of games, and there are times where he makes the throws of a quarterback uh, that, that is franchise-changing. I think of, in particular, a few uh, of the night games they played in the regular season, but then the playoffs, um, it wasn't quite good enough from him. But, yeah, I think Jared Goff is right on that line, um, and you're right. I mean, I, it's a perfect example because I think a lot of people wrote off Jared Goff for how terrible he was in his rookie season. I imagine when CK you know, dug up his research on terrible uh, top-10 picks um, that, that Jared Goff certainly would fit the description of a quarterback that wasn't nearly good enough to eventually turn it around but I think we can now see that Jeff Fisher was was enough of a catastrophe uh, that a coach could have uh, could have salvaged that just as maybe we can say Steve Wilkes and Mike McCoy were enough of a disaster that a good coach can salvage that and maybe that's what ends up happening uh, but um, but yeah I mean I, 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 I think that Jared Goff is certainly in that conversation. Maybe he's there in a few years' time with more years under McVay, but I don't know if I'd be the one that, that's enthusiastically giving him a $35 million a year contract extension, but maybe that's what the Rams have to do. Right, I think that's just the way the NFL is going. You know, like they're, he's eventually going to get paid a huge deal. He, I don't know that Jared Goff is a guy who can go out there and put the team on his back and win you games, and I guess that would be the fear with Josh Rosen from many people, but to me, I just think that you know he has now, he has Chad O'Shea, who, yes, we don't know what he can do as an offense coordinator, admittedly, But then you got Jim Caldwell right there, and you can't tell me that that's not a good staff to have in place. If they can't get the most out of Josh Rosen, I don't know if anyone can. But again, everyone keeps saying this is a a one-year tryout. The guy's on a three-year contract. He's going to – he should. He should still be in Miami, uh, hopefully for the duration, because at worst, you got a backup quarterback. I mean, he's better than – 
he's he's probably better than Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. I mean, let's let's be honest. He, he's he's probably better than him. So at worst case, you've got a backup quarterback. Is that worth a second a second pick? No, absolutely no. not. But again, I think they're trying to strike gold here, like you said. I think the potential's there, and I think like uh, Ethan said, he is a near perfect fit for that New England style offense. If he can't succeed in Miami, he might not succeed anywhere. And, and I want to get back to this, and I'll throw it to Alfredo after that. You know, this idea of, well, we don't, you know, you're going to commit to a guy who's just average. We don't know who's going to be average. I mean, uh, look at Tom Brady's history. <laughs> I mean, I, t- Tom Brady couldn't start at Michigan. He, could, he kept getting beat out at Michigan. He got drafted in the sixth round. He only got the starting job because, basically, Drew Bledsoe, mm-hmm. you know, was brutalized against the Jets. Then I watched Brady. I covered those games. I covered Brady's first two games against the Dolphins. They wouldn't let him throw past three yards. I mean, they, they were they were so petrified of Jason Taylor basically ruining his life mm-hmm. that they wouldn't let him throw after three yards. Even that first season, we talk about Brady, like that Super Bowl. He basically threw a bunch of dink and dunk passes, okay, to get them into field goal range. Like the Tom Brady we think of now throwing bombs to Randy Moss was not – or adjusting to every receiving core he has or making, you know, along with Gronk, you know, t- you know, turning that into the most dynamic quarterback-tight end combination, you know, arguably in history. Like that – that wasn't a Tom Brady who came out. And and so, you know, and then there are others, like you look at a Matt Stafford, who has all the tools, every freaking tool, number one overall pick, right? Mm-hmm. And they've committed to him for years and years but and years. It, you, but don't, it, you don't, and they haven't won a damn thing. But isn't like, you Matt, don't know. Isn't Matt Stafford the fear, though? Yeah, Matt Stafford is, is the fear that we're talking about, the fear that Alfredo and I have, which is that Josh Rosen yeah. is good enough to be Matt Stafford, but he's not good enough to be better than Matt Stafford. But how many are, be- okay, so who are we talking about in the league? Let's go through sure. them, okay? All right, so there's Brady. Yep. It's a completely unconventional path. Sure. Aaron Rodgers, who went, what, 20-something picks after uh, after Alex, Alex, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, yeah. All right, sat in the green room and was basically told, you know, D- Jeff Tedford quarterbacks didn't work in the NFL. All right, Peyton Manning, everybody knew. All right, that, that's a, that, one, that one was a given. Um, Pat Mahomes was not the first quarterback taken in no. his draft. I mean, he would have been if CK was making decisions, but he <laughs> wasn't, right? So, I, you know, who are we talking about with the elites? And Drew Brees, as Josh mentioned earlier – Drew Brees was based. They drafted Philip Rivers to replace Drew Brees before mm-hmm. Drew Brees got hurt, and then Drew Brees got hurt and was supposedly done. And, and Drew Brees is kind of the best case scenario of guy that maybe is good enough to start on a team, but uh, I don't know about him. Now it's five years into his career. I mean, you go back and look at his numbers with the Chargers; they're not anything special. And then he, be, you know, becomes a supernova in New Orleans. Look, look at some of the others who are in the Hall of Fame right now: Warren Moon. Mm-hmm. Passed over, had to go to the CFL. Kurt Warner bagging groceries, only gets the job because mm-hmm. Trent Green gets hurt. So I go to this on you, Alfredo, like. I, I, that that's what I don't get about this. Like we're talking, like okay, we got to wait till we get the sure thing. There is no sure thing. Two is not a sure thing. He may look like a sure thing. Lawrence looks like a sure thing. But Matt Leinart looked like the best quarterback coming out of the draft in years and years and years as a freshman, right? And then by mm-hmm. the time he came out, people were like, eh, I don't know. And then they saw him play for the Cardinals, and they're like, No, that's not it. Ryan Leaf almost went first instead of Peyton Manning. I, I, I so I'll, I, I guess. I, I, what I don't get on it is, like, I don't know that Josh Rosen's the guy. I don't know that he isn't. I just know that there seems to be enough tools there to work with. Yeah, and what I'm saying is that there's a much better crop to pick from next year. So, like, if you're walking through the, the grocery store and you're you're going to pick bananas, do you get the ones that are all rotten already or half-eaten, which is what the Arizona Cardinals did? Or do you get the nice, pretty little bushel that's right there in the corner, although you might have to wait for it to ripe? And that's what it is that's what we're going to get next year next year we're getting four prospects four not one two or three 
four of them. So you're almost guaranteed one, four that are considered much better than what Josh Rosen was coming out of UCLA. And for that matter, better than what Sam Darnold or even Josh Allen, probably not better than Baker Mayfield, but you got four of them coming out next year. And now it looks like we're going to expend resources and time and probably jobs in trying to make this thing work. And I just don't, I just don't think it was necessary. Now, I, and I, I I don't know if we're uh, we're done with the Rosen thing, but I do want to move on because you guys are uh, are I would I would say in the top one percent of uh, of Dolphins fans. So, are there any other things you're looking at uh, from the minicamp period, from rookie standpoint, uh, from from player development standpoint that you're interested in? Because I think that's the I think that's a secondary storyline this year. This season has now become all about Josh Rosen, whether or not uh, this hits. But are there other things uh, in this minicamp process that you're interested in? Yeah, I know CK is a big fan of uh, Preston. Williams that's a guy who I'm kind of hoping goes out there and lights the world on fire in rookie camps I mean obviously Michael Dieter the Dolphins desperately need help on the offensive line you hope that he can come in and you know hopefully start right away and Christian Wilkins I mean that was a home run pick I think he's going to make an immediate impact so just to watch these players develop see the way this coaching staff you know help helps these players along kind of brings them to fruition and and hopefully the the Dolphins are building a team that's going to be decent for many years to come. Yeah, to me, it's also Preston Williams. Like, uh, if you want, if you really want to prop up their draft, they got a second or third round pick as a undrafted free agent. But the first, the thing that I really, really want to watch is who's lining up a right tackle because as of right now, it seems like it could be Jesse Davis. I thought he had a bad year last year. Uh, new position for him now? I don't know. So I want to see who's lining up a right tackle. Who wins? the battles on the right side of the offensive line. And let me just, sure let me just throw Charles Harris, Charles Harris out there. I mean, that's a guy the Dolphins desperately need pass rush help. If, if he, I, think, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do outside of him. Got, I think we got to quit on that already. Yeah, you know, Charles Harris, you know, it's over for him. I, it has to be. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, I wasn't very high on the pick coming out. He was a pretty, I mean, he was a meh pick, but everyone always said, you know, he was a fit in a 3-4, so we'll, we'll see what he can do. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law, L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. One, call legal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I mean, let's look at the receiver position, too. I'm, I'm kind of curious on this because uh, how you wrote a piece about Albert Wilson today, and I, I think there has been a little bit of forgetfulness on, on how good he was, particularly over like a four- or five-game stretch. I mean, they're bringing back two guys off serious injuries in Wilson and Grant who provided kind of the moment of the season other than the play against the Patriots, which was the high five uh, on, on the long play, one of the couple of long plays that they had there. Uh, but those two guys, and then I guess my question is the other two, Stills and Parker, because a lot of conversation about Parker and kind of what he hasn't provided, and I don't really understand why he's back, um, I, I guess, except it's a flyer on him at this point. But 
with Stills, like, Kenny wasn't great last year either. What do you expect out of their receiving group? Like you said, I mean, as long as they can come back healthy, Albert Wilson, I think he's going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. As for Devontae Parker, he's essentially Charles Harrison, a wide receiver's body. I mean, why they brought him back, like you said, I have no idea. Potential maybe, or, you know, he's doing the whole new Miami thing, new year, new him, whatever. Uh, Kenny Stills, though, I mean, he's a guy that I think he does more things that you don't really notice, you know, like takes the top off defenses, open things up underneath. I think this receiving core, though, as a whole is going to do pretty damn well in that in that New England style offense with those quick passes. I think I think that's the, the way that this offense is going to be built. And I think they're going to go out there and they should be able to make some plays. But you absolutely got to be a little bit uh, hesitant to go out there and crown them because if Jakeem Grant can't come back, Albert Wilson can't come back. You know, if, if those injuries linger, that receiving core goes from being a, a positive to a negative real quick. I'm not as willing to rule out Charles Harris as, as you guys are um, because he was playing in this wide nine scheme that Matt Burke ran that I just don't think was a fit for everyone. And perhaps Charles Harris is included in that. I mean, if we, if we believe that Matt Burke didn't do well as a defensive coordinator here, then why wouldn't there have been players that were developed poorly along the way or players that were playing out of position or out of scheme. And it seems like Brian Flores um, has a much more fluid system uh, that isn't necessarily based on three, four or four, three. It's about skills. And I'm not necessarily ruling out that Charles Harris has some of the desirable skills uh, for Brian Flores. And frankly, again, if it were any other team that was trying to compete to win Charles Harris probably wouldn't see the field there'd be two or three defensive ends that were better than him on the roster but that's not the reality of this team so I'm not um I'm not necessarily ruling out that that this could be a team that or a, a player that can succeed in this system or in the way that Brian Flores would want him to play again I, I don't know necessarily uh, what he's looking for out of that edge position is what they call it now it's not three four pass rusher or four three pass rusher it's just edge um but I, I'm curious to see what Brian Flores can do with him and in general what that defensive scheme can do with him because this could just be a player that was horribly mis, you know, uh, misused by the previous coaching staff. And if we don't rate the previous coaching staff, and clearly the Dolphins don't because they fired all of them, um, uh, then why wouldn't there have been players that slipped through the cracks along the way? Now, let me say this. Uh, they're rumored to be in on Nick Perry. If they sign Nick Perry, it tells you everything that you need to know about Charles Harris. It tells you that he's not really in their plans because where does he play? He becomes a, a player without a position on this team because he's – He's kind of slow to be an outside linebacker or even a scrape linebacker. He can't play five tech because he's too small. So he would be an edge player. So he would obviously play behind Nick Perry. So where are his snaps going to come from? Where are his numbers going to come from for him to have a, a longer career in the NFL? So I would watch this Nick Perry situation closely. Supposedly he was in uh, a couple of nights ago here in Miami. Uh, he doesn't have a contract yet. At least hasn't been reported. But if he does sign... I guess that tells you everything you need to know about Charles Harris. But does it also tell you about this strategy shift here? Because we can talk about getting weapons for Rosen to make it easier for him. So they went out and got a right tackle right now. He's like, okay, that's about Rosen. That's about giving Rosen the best chance. They yeah. go out and get a pass rusher now. It's not really about Rosen, right? I mean, that's that's about we're trying to win more than four games. And right. so, I mean, do, does that, well, does I mean, that but, signify but they're also, a shift? But they're also startlingly, you know, startlingly, I can't say that word, startlingly <laughs> uh, deficient at that position. I mean, you look at the depth chart right now. If I mean, they got rid of Wake, they got rid of Quinn, they got rid of Branch. All they have left from last year's team is Charles Harris and maybe some, some training camp invites and some players that they've held on to at the back of the roster. I mean, they don't have a starting caliber player to play opposite they have, him. They have right now Jonathan Woodard, 
and Tank Carradine as rotation players on the defensive line. That's appalling. Right. I mean, that's really bad. And so, like, I, I don't think if they sign a pass rusher, that means they're trying to win. I just think it means they're trying to find a player to play that position because right now they don't have one, um, which, again, is why Charles Harris is going to see the field a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily view it as a sign of winning. I mean, they are a level of deficient at that area that uh, that is just it's insane. Can we make sure we don't leave out uh, the AAF all-time sack leader, J. Ron Elliott? <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Of course, of course they got him. Goes I down mean, the record books. Yeah, to, be yeah, fair, sure. to be fair, CK really, really likes him and says to, you know, don't sleep on him. Well, well, we shouldn't have slept on Cameron Wake, right? I mean, that when, I remember when yeah. Cameron Wake came in and it was like, well, wasn't he cut by the Giants? Didn't he have to go to the CFL? And, I, you know, that if you look back at Jeff Ireland's tenure now, you say Cameron Wake's probably the best thing that Jeff Ireland did. So I, I'm not going to rule out anybody that they bring in, uh, you know, until obviously we see them in pads. I want to get to kind of one more issue with you guys and it's the secondary and you know I, I know that the guys on three yards have really pushed that they were surprised I know Alfredo you in particular with a DB class as deep as this one was in the draft that they didn't get anybody for it uh, you've still got Rashad Jones there who seems to be sort of hanging by a thread with this organization Minka it doesn't it's not clear they know what position they want him to play yet which is one of the things I'll be watching out in minicamp uh, and obviously Xavier Howard's contract situation and then you know is Bobby McCain sort of a long-term starting option uh out there uh, what, what uh, Alfredo so first go through sort of what your issues were with the way they handled the secondary this offseason well it's obvious if you want to be the Patriots you need two things you need edge players you need and you need many of them because they they rotate them in and out and you need a lot of secondary help okay so you look at what we have under contract and what's going to be here for the long term. Like, I don't think I think this is Rashad Jones last season. And I'm, I'd be willing to bet that TJ McDonald is a guy that they're willing to to let leave because I think he's a guy that would count on that compensatory formula at the end of the season. So they could probably get a fourth round pick for him. So it'll it'll be worth it for them. So they need bodies and they just don't have any. And then the draft comes and goes. And I thought it was a really good draft as far as the, the DB class. And I'm talking about all around safety, cornerback, even nickel players. And they just didn't take any of them. So as we stand right now, we could go into next season needing two safeties if Minka is going to play in the slot. So now if he plays in at free safety, then we need a box safety. And they really... The, the Patriots tend to like to play a lot of a lot of safeties on defense. So they play at least three heavy snaps. So they're going to need three safeties. They need a boundary corner. That's obvious. Opposite of Xavier and Howard because they don't have one right now because they're uh, that guy who's penciled in right now as a starter. It's Eric Rowe. And come on, he's you know, that's that's not for long. Tory McTire. Did we like what we saw? Bobby McCain is really a nickel. So they have a gaping hole there uh, opposite of Xavier and Howard. Will they be in on Morris Claiborne? That, if, they, if they go out and they give Morris Claiborne a ton of money here soon, and for a street free agent, I think he would go for like about 6 or $7 million. If they give him that, then it really is a complete shift in philosophy on the fly. And that's the name right there. I mean, that's the guy that I'd be interested in if the Dolphins are going to go out there and make us, you know, try to build this thing in free agency, go out there and get a guy that can come in and contribute. But you're right. I thought when you guys were so down on the Josh Rosen trade, I thought maybe it was because they completely ignored the secondary. We know that New England likes to use those heavy packages right now. I mean, you didn't, you didn't mention Cordrea Tankersley, and there's probably a reason for that because, you know, he had that somewhat decent season and he just plummeted. So, Aside from Xavier and Howard, who they still need to lock up, which I, I do think that'll eventually come. You said it best. They have Eric Rose, Corpse, who he's never healthy. And then you got Bobby McCain, who's a nickel. And 
outside of that, I mean, they're, they're in trouble. So the secondary is definitely alarming. I think aside from pass rusher, like we touched on, and of course, right tackle, those are the three biggest needs for me. All right, so let's go through it as many camp is starting, and obviously we've got a better handle on this when the pads come on in training camp. But let's say the roster is as it is. Let's say they don't go get a Perry. Let's say they don't get, get, get a Claiborne. It's basically this, some guys off the street that they add, uh, other teams' cuts. Maybe they find a starter here or there. This Josh Rosen becomes the starter, which I think most of us are anticipating for week one. How many games does this team win this year, Alfredo? Okay, absolutely. Crazy things happen in the NFL, but I think that the best case scenario, as is, is about five wins. Yeah, I'm right there. I was going to say six to seven. I think it's going to fall right where we talked about. You know, can you get a good evaluation on Josh Rosen if they go six and six and ten or seven and nine? That's going to be what it all comes down to. I think they stumbled into those wins last year. I mean, Brock Osweiler started games last year and won, won games. Obviously, the, the roster is different, but Anything can happen in the NFL. I see no reason why the Dolphins can't win at least six games this season. Yeah, I thought they were also incredibly lucky to do so. I mean, and we talked about it. You were confounded by it the whole way. They were so incredibly lucky to win some of those games. I mean, obviously that performance that they put on against Chicago uh, and winning at home and, you know, putting all these yards up against the, the, the league's greatest defense. I mean, as I mean, it, there, there, there's a phrase in Miami, just complete cags, total cags uh, to, to, to win those games. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be as lucky. I don't think they're as, they're as talented as they were a year ago. Um, and it really would take another worldly kind of performance to lift them out for me above a five-win ceiling so at least you're kind of uh, there or thereabouts um, I, I still think that whoever ends up with the number one pick is not going to trade it uh, no matter how much you offer because I think Tua is that kind of prospect um, so I don't think you can get him but I, th- I still think you can get a really good quarterback prospect I think that's probably the territory the Dolphins will be in I don't know if they can be the worst team in the league unless Josh Rosen truly is awful um, which I don't think he is like as, as bad as he was a year ago I don't think that's who he is I think he'll get better I don't think of it I don't think it's better enough to lift them above five wins. Yeah, I think they're a five-win team also. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to be curious to see kind of where the Bills fall on this and whether uh, the Bills and the Jets for that matter. I mean, I, look, the, the, the one intriguing thing about this is you got Brady in the AFC East who, when he's at least 68 years old, he might move on. <laughs> and then you, you've got these other three. And there was debate about the other three before the draft. I mean, there was no consensus that Darnold was the best among them and that Allen was second and Rosen was third. A lot of people thought Allen was first in terms of potential. A lot of people thought Allen was 12th in terms of what he was actually going to produce. And so I I think that does make this somewhat compelling. I think they're a five-win team. I don't think they'll win fewer than that. Because I, I still think there are still too many good players left on the roster. Like, I, still, unless, unless they positions. all get hurt. At import, right. I mean, still Howard, still a Tunsil, still a Drake, who probably is going to get more of a workload. I like Balazs. Uh, I do like the receivers that are coming back, provided that they're healthy. I think they can get more out of Gasicki this year if they use him properly. Dwayne Allen, to me, was an okay addition. You know, I, so, yeah, they're going to have systemic problems on the offensive line. They're going to have systemic problems on the defensive line. The linebacking crew does not excite me, although I like Jerome Baker. And I know CK doesn't love him in this system as much as he did in the previous one. He likes McMillan maybe a little bit better. But I I think we're looking probably uh, at five wins. And if you are, I mean, the reality is if they don't bring in Josh Rosen, maybe they win four. Maybe they win five. Maybe Fitzpatrick gets hot and they win seven. So I I don't – that's, again, why I come back to – and I don't want to recycle on all this, but that's the other thing, Alfredo, on this and to Chris on this concern about Rosen makes you too good. Are we assuming Rosen would have been better this year than Fitzpatrick? I don't know. I think he has a better future. He's 22. Fitzpatrick's 37. 
But I don't know that he necessarily would have been better. And we've seen Fitzpatrick go on these unexplainable hot streaks for three, four weeks that could have sunk them. So, anyway, follow them uh, on their various social media platforms. Alfredo's at Uptown Report. Josh Houts is at Houts. It's H-O-U-T-Z. Again, you can find him on Smart Your Territory and on Fantasy and Ad 5 as well. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.